Welcome to the Innovate, Be the Change podcast. We believe every neighborhood deserves a Jesus-centered, disciple-making peace presence. Change is a constant that we all encounter. Whether cultural, massive global shifts like a pandemic, or closer to home in our neighborhood contexts, or even within our own households, change invites us to pause and listen for the voice of God. Innovate, Be the Change podcast is a place to share insights and stories from disciples, leaders, and followers of Jesus responding to what they feel God is saying and how we might take courageous steps to respond. Hi, my name is Norm Dick and I am the Innovate team lead. It's my pleasure to be able to interview three dynamic leaders at once for today's episode. Tasha Inrig is trained as a nurse, is the single adoptive mother of three children, all while serving as the pastor of the Wideman Mennonite Church. Don Dreger is also a pastor and a nurse. She's the mother of three children and grandmother of four, with a fifth arriving soon. Dawn has worked as a crisis care nurse, a pastor, and an interim pastor. She's currently between roles and enjoying semi-retired life in their multi-generational home with her husband, Ken. Ken worked for many years as a mechanic, did some technical writing for the automotive industry, and has been a pastor since 1999. He and Don have served in two co-pastorates, one of them being at Wideman Mennonite Church, where they met Tasha, and are looking forward to the possibility of serving together in the future. Mike Breen writes in his book, Building a Discipling Culture, Testing comes into our lives to make us more flexible, to stretch us out of our comfort zone. God stretches us by taking us into territory where we do not naturally feel comfortable. Moving in a direction that is not our natural liking brings about maturity. We do not grow by staying in our comfort zone. In another place, he writes, there is a great need to restore and encourage leadership in our culture, including in the church. And the church is the best place to offer a genuine model of leadership. I encourage you to listen with this in mind as you hear Tasha, Ken, and Don tell their story a weird thing of how did the three of you actually come to be at the same place at the same time and <laughs> and then what did god do in that space that's that's the story that we want to dig into today and so one of the things that's uh, really impressed me in getting to know a little bit of the story of tasha's call to ministry and uh and then that subsequent move into uh are, are you now the are you the full-time pastor at weidman i'm not sure if that's a full-time part-time whatever that is full-time work half-time pay yeah there you go Full -time. <laughs> isn't isn't that yeah. what ministry is just about anywhere like that that could be the title for everybody uh <laughs> but uh yeah so there's there's something there's something that happened in that journey of how the three of you engaged in this process of leadership formation and mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if you could tell us about that journey tasha how did you arrive where you are today we uh, started attending Wideman Mennonite Church as a multi-generational family about five years ago. And uh, we were coming out of a period of deep theological questioning and very much searching in our hearts to know where God was calling us to be as a family. We were unique in many ways, but very united in our uh, devotion uh, to God and wanting to follow him wherever he called. So our family as a whole family, all generations had been very actively involved in the Out of the Cold program that uh, serves part of York Region. And our volunteer relationships from that Out of the Cold program um, had connected us with Weidman Mennonite Church. And so that's how we ended up at Weidman. 
but the summer was kind of a, a, a wild time. Um, I was actually spent the summer in, uh, in it with, in a, at a cancer center in radiation. Um, and so we met in July. I think there was a 200th anniversary of the church. It was. Um, I had just left uh, a previous um, interim pastor situation and was about to join Ken um, in September, end of September, officially beginning of October at that point. Um, so we got to know, um, Ken and I attended a couple of times at Weidman through the summer and uh, just got to know Tasha and her family a little bit. Um, and my daughters attach themselves to you very quickly. <laughs> oh, they're wonderful. We love Tasha and her family. Just really, really uh, was a sort of a real natural bond, I think. Um, Kindred spirits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and one of the things for us, um, Ken and I at that point were, um, I guess Ken had a redefining of his role. He had been an interim uh, supply, but we uh, became at that point intentional transformational interim ministers. Um, the church needed some guidance, um, was really struggling, had a lot of different crises going on. Tell her part of the story in that uh, just really uh, saw Tasha's family uh, connecting very deeply with the congregation, and it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. So what, what, I mean, at what point do you think was this sort of, uh, or, or what was happening in both maybe in your leadership role in the life of the church where you, you came to this space of saying as intentional interims, we're going to work with Tasha for Tasha to become the pastor here. Like what, what, what happened in that space? Started about a year after we met. So in that, in that year, um, I, my, <laughs> In that year, my third child came home. Um, his coming home was a, a bit chaotic. Uh, his paperwork had been approved to come to Canada. He was legally my son. And at the last minute, a single bureaucrat in the Canadian um, embassy had pulled his passport and wouldn't allow him to come home, claiming that he wasn't uh, his, his biological mother's child, that this child had been randomly stolen and was now going to be um, illegally adopted. So I literally was in Haiti driving in with a, a driver down to the airport when I was told I wouldn't be allowed to bring my son home. And uh, that was pretty traumatic. And the church held me in their arms and let me weep all I wanted to and prayed hard. Mm. And again, because of our connections with Out of the Cold, God orchestrated a little miracle. Um, our local MP had asked to meet people at a homeless shelter uh, to better understand housing needs in York Region and had said to the head of the Out of the Cold program, well, do you have any other you know, issues that perhaps an MP might be able to facilitate because we'd be happy to talk about those too. And so the Out of the Cold coordinator said, yes, you have to talk to one of my coordinators who is trying to adopt this child and can't get it home. And so as a result of that MP's intervention, I, I finally was able to prove my birth son was who we said he was all along, and therefore I was allowed to legally bring him home. Mm -hmm. And so the church uh, threw me a huge baby shower. Uh, they embraced him. He, as I said, came home very sick, and uh, 
he was older when he got adopted. So he had lots of behavioral issues and we became that family that had to remove a child <laughs> regularly from the service because he was screaming at the top of his lungs. Um, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun summer, wasn't it? <laughs> that's, well, that's cool to, to hear how the, how the church just embraced you and, and walked with you in that space. That's, that's neat. What was really beautiful is this church had a number of people who either were actively fostering children or had fostered in the past or had had parents who had fostered. And I think that really helped make my family normal, which as, an, as a mom who is, you know, we have our unique challenges. It was it was like water to not have people in looking over their pews staring at you while your child threw a temper tantrum or pat you on the head and say, you know, mom, if you just disciplined a little harder, he might not act that way. But to just say, yep, kids come in with challenges. We'll just, you know, we'll do our best to help her by ignoring what's going on and, and you know, give her that extra pat on the shoulder and say, you're doing a good job as you exit. <laughs> uh, yeah. I and that's one of the things that really, um, really sort of stood out to us, blew us away um, about Tasha's um, ability to just remain calm. Uh, you probably didn't necessarily feel this way, Tasha, but on the outside. No, it was my third kid. I had done this already. <laughs> okay, so there you go. And, and she was calm, and, but she was very firm. Um, and she held her, like, the safe boundaries for these children. Um, just her interactions with her children were a beautiful thing to see. Weidman Church was seen by people in the conference who knew the situation as uh, a, a, a very difficult and troubled congregation. Uh, but we, they were good people. Oh, they oh, were, they were uh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So the last three pastors that before us had all left on bad terms. Um, and and there serious, were serious health issues that probably were complicated by yeah, exactly. by stress. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And, and and we 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 were we were asked to be new long term pastors, and and we didn't feel like uh we we did we didn't feel called to that we weren't inclined to that and uh we didn't feel like a long-term pastorate could be successful without addressing a number of critical issues uh successfully and so but we loved the people and so we said well if you'll give us a mandate to address these things uh we will be in, we'll be interim pastors and we will address these things for two years Mm -hmm. and so they said okay and and so that's what we did and uh as in our last year uh we began to think so um we we've made some significant progress on these problematic issues uh the, the people who were in leadership uh had we had some new people in leadership who hadn't been in leadership before we had some people in leadership who had been there before, but they were all learning how to manage uh, difficult behavior. I, I suggested that if we could find someone who was up for the challenge and uh, uh, who, who could manage the situation and chose them kind of preemptively, uh, that the success, the chances of success, the, the likelihood of success would be much greater. And uh, the council chair agreed 
And so then I named Tasha as uh, the person that Don and I thought would would do well, as likely as anyone to do well. And so the council chair uh, agreed to some preliminary conversations. And so when I, I called Tasha and I said, uh, I'd like to have a conversation with you. Uh, and she was so busy that the only time that worked was uh, at, at an out of, at, during a lull. No, 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 no. You called and said, can you be a reader for Easter? <laughs> you were trying to rope me into the Easter service and read your Barman declaration at the same meeting. <laughs> okay. You were not up front at all. <laughs> you were going to so, review a Barman declaration. <laughs> Right. So, okay. so there was some there was some sneakiness behind all of this. Was there? <laughs> it was a multi-purpose meeting, but the the big item was not an item that I named to you ahead of time. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I, I kind of sprung it on you there. Um, so yeah, at, at, yeah shelter. At, at the at, at a homeless at, shelter, well, yeah. coordinating two hundred volunteers. <laughs> Well, you had already coordinated them. They were running on. They were running on momentum for an hour while we got together. Yeah. In the library. Yeah, and here's another thing. Um, Tasha coordinated the out of the cold program, and boy, she did it, and uh, without feathers ruffled or anything. It was, it, that's another beautiful thing to see. Um, you know, somebody who can uh, manage volunteers, um, let them know they're loved and appreciated and important. And uh, and trust them with the job. Uh, that's just a really great thing. So so it's so it's clearly like you saw somebody with leadership gifting. You saw somebody who had the skill set to 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 engage the challenges that you guys were seeing at, within the congregation. So how did you how did you pop the question? <laughs> huh. Just blurted it out. <laughs> I don't were, were you guys driving to annual media or something? No, we were no, sitting. No, no, no. We ran the out of the cold program. Oh, okay, we were okay, sitting okay. In the yeah. library, yeah. We were in the I, library, yeah. Remember. You you pulled out the Barman Declaration and you kind of looked at it and said, "Well, there was actually something else I wanted to talk to you about." Okay. And I had <laughs> diligently studied it. I had, was ready to give you feedback on it. Um, <laughs> and you you said that you and Don had been praying about independently praying about um, who would replace you mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. when the interim period was over. And I immediately went, oh, we were all kind of hoping you'd stay. <laughs> and you said, yeah, we were independently praying about it. And we've both come to, you know, God has led us both to the same conclusion. And, and you were somewhat floored, but you held yourself. <laughs> uh, you could have healed me off the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, there was a time in there where we just said, well, you know what? Just think about it and pray about it. Don't answer, right? Yeah, you you, mm -hmm. you, you asked me not to tell anybody about the request, including my family. Yeah, um, which would have been hard. And I think you gave me, did you give me a month or two weeks? Mm -hmm. I think it was a month, mm -hmm. but you, you did it. It was it a sizable amount of time. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I guess important to my story there is um, I, had, I had studied, I had a Master's of Divinity in Missions, um, and intercultural relations, and was um, happily employed at, a, at the same employer for 15 years as a nurse and doing ministry on a volunteer basis uh, for 
well, it would be, it would be 13 years this year. So, you know, I'd been there a number of years already. And, and, and honestly, honestly, honestly felt I was doing exactly what God had called me to do mm -hmm. um, and was happy where I was. Um, mm -hmm. So to be, for somebody to suggest ministry in another way, it was kind of like, but I am doing ministry. This is what I'm called to do. God put me here. He's opened all these doors. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, I mean, lean into that part of the story a bit more. Like what, so what happened in your sense of call then, Tasha, for, for this to change? I went home that night, like I said, Florida, and my family didn't know what was wrong, but apparently I just acted very strangely for two weeks because Ken very specifically said I could not tell a soul. And that's not how I process life at all. <laughs> I have a few close friends that normally I would have very verbally talked about these things. Um, so yeah, uh, obviously there was a lot of soul searching and a lot of praying and uh, waking up in the middle of the night and trying to say, what are you thinking, God? Um, you know, like it wasn't even on my radar screen, not in the least that pastoral ministry would be where I was being called to. The image that I've usually had when I'm, I'm doing one of these God-inspired leaps um, is that God's taken me to the edge of the cliff and he's invited me to go hang gliding with him. Jump wow. off the cliff, don't worry, I'm going to catch you. Or maybe a more Tolkien uh, version would be the eagle's right there. You just, you can't see it yet, but just jump. And so I'm on a certain level comfortable jumping with God. Um, <laughs> that's what I've done before. And, and, and that's, it's got its own excitement. And, and, and he's always caught me um, when he's taken me to that cliff. But the image that kept coming up to my mind uh, with this, you know, sudden, you can become a pastor thing, um, was this huge cliff face in front of me. It was like a sheer mountain right in front of me. And I was at the bottom. And I had no clue how to do mountain climbing. I had no idea how to find a handhold. I had no idea where to put my toes. I, but that cliff had to be climbed and I didn't know where, I didn't know where it was taking me, didn't know how to do it. But in a dream, God just kept saying, but I can teach you that. I can teach you how to climb. Mm -hmm. And so I, it was a, I think you're, you're right, Ken. I think that was about two weeks into the, the call ask. And uh, that's when I said, okay, if, if that's what God is truly saying, and it was pretty clear in my mind that that is what he was saying, then instead of taking the plunge, I started climbing. <laughs> Tasha, what was, what was the on-ramp like for you? Or, or, or how did the, maybe to use your, your rock climbing analogy, how did the footholds <laughs> begin to appear? <laughs> the first one was um, a job interview with counsel. Um, so I knew all of these people. Some of them actually were volunteers at my Out of the Cold program and other uh, community ministries, um, like the Markham Church Committee for Affordable Housing that I had served on. And so this job interview, was it three hours long, Ken? It was long. It was, yeah. It was I don't remember long. it being it that. Was long. It was two or three hours long. It was very long. It was and longer to you. <laughs> I have never had a job interview like this before. Um, because these people knew my history, um, they already had an idea of my strengths and weaknesses. They had a very good knowledge of what their own strengths and weaknesses were. Um, they already cared about me and repeatedly um, expressed their concern that somehow this church was going to kill me or, or in some way negatively impact my family. Um, that came up a lot from them. Um, 
and then they also a lot of my style of leadership is not out in front um I, I might be walking in a certain direction and gathering people behind me to walk in that same direction with me, but they can't always see what I'm doing. And so some of the concerns they had, well, how do you handle this kind of conflict? Or what would you do under these circumstances? And they were listing incidences from their own history. Mm -hmm. um, and so then I would have to, you know, well, remember this time this happened at this organization. How did we handle that? Well, I was the one in the background who did X, Y, and Z. And they were like, that was you? <laughs> um, yeah, that was me. <laughs> so uh, I think that increased their comfort quite a bit um, mm -hmm. to know that I, I had that skill set. Yeah. It, I mean, it's interesting, fascinating to hear like where you say that their concern in the interview was that the church could destroy you. Yeah. Oh, yes. So, uh, so they, in, so they in came... that interview and coming up to me privately to say, Tasha, are you sure? Tasha, are you sure? You know what happened here. You know what happened there. Are you sure? <laughs> so, so the church had the church had such, such a sense of caring for you that they wanted to protect you from themselves. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and even on the day I was installed as pastor, um, my best friend, a sister from another mister, uh, came to celebrate with our family. And one of our dear saints who was absolutely supportive the whole way of, of me, um, went up to my best friend and said, oh, I hope she can do this. <laughs> so Ken or, or Don or Tasha, I mean, any one of you, like what, what was the what was the guide? What were the guiding principles that you said? Okay, we, we've got to hit these marks in order to in order for this to work. Introducing Tasha into this uh, role was to give her a bit of the history. Why why was this happening um, in these AGMs? Uh, what did we do? How did we help to develop leadership so that they could um, respond? redemptively or begin to respond redemptively in these situations um, because she saw over two or three years different things happen and it became a wow I can't remember what your comment was in the second one you said wow that was really different from hers um, and uh, and so part of uh, part of what we did as well as creating space for Tasha to be up front um, in leadership was to give her, um, equip her as much as we could with history so that she knew what was coming at her and, um, and the different tools that we had used to equip leadership in the congregation so that she knew where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. um, so that she could continue then to direct traffic, if you will, especially at these sorts of events um, where people would come in, if you will, from the outside and try and exert pressure and anxiety into the system. Um, or, or, and try, or try to drive the system. I mean, they, they felt that they should be the ones making decisions for the congregation, right. even though they weren't there. Um, once we, we knew once we left, I mean, that as systems go, uh, you, you get anxiety again and you get these... Uh, these outside influences starting to... Um, they see an opening, a mm -hmm. potential opening, and they try to move in again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so we knew we had to, um, or at least we wanted to give 
Tasha, um, every tool that we knew uh, in order to uh, help her uh, lead successfully, not be blindsided by these uh, negative forces. Negative forces, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, and that's that's markers. I don't know if I would say markers, but um, we had several meetings um, with <laughs> Tasha. Weekly. Yeah, and almost and we weekly all, for a year. For a year, and um, also um, saw her in action on council. Oh, yes. Man, there was that you brought cancer. you brought me in on council and elders um, yeah. during mm -hmm. the exploration process so that I would have full knowledge of what the current state was as well as the history. Right. Um, yeah. And then the other the other I guess another marker was that the, the congregation agreed with this. Um, they even paid for it uh, was for me to get my certificate in conflict management for congregations mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. because they had seen the tools that Ken and Don were able to use with them to help them become, you know, the stronger, stronger functioning people. And uh, you wanted to see that continue. First off, having knowledge of the history. So although I had lived in the geographical community of this church, I did not know what was going wrong. Um, I knew from the people I had volunteered with in various capacities that um, there was a conflict. I knew it was bad conflict. I didn't know what the source of that was. Um, so yeah, it was it was very, I don't know, it was, it was like dropping into another world. You thought you always knew where you were, but this other world had been happening in the background and understanding some of the stresses that people I had known for years had been going through um, that I had been oblivious to, or yeah, just not understanding why their lives had been so stressful as a people. Uh, that was, to use a Harry Potter analogy, it was like discovering the world as you know it isn't quite as you know it, um, that there's a whole other world operating there that you didn't know about. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was interesting. So history was definitely a big part of this. A lot of it too, though, was around uh, conflict communication and uh, mediation and conflict management, as well as to help understand why people, where people were coming from and why they sometimes process things the way they do and how to get at the actual heart of the problem versus the, 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 the actual conflict that you're seeing is not usually the problem. Mm -hmm. There's usually a, a nugget underneath and you have to mine down through different lenses to figure out what that nugget is. And when you deal with that problem, it can actually head off lots of explosions. Mm -hmm. well, and, I, and I think a healthy leadership way of coping with all of this um, I hadn't realized, but it was what I learned as a, as a parent of kids who sometimes had different behaviors. <laughs> um, and that was being able to hold it out here and say, this is your crisis right now, not mine. And I'm going to be this calm presence to walk you through this. I'm going to be here for you through it. I'm not going to leave you alone in this place because it's an ugly, gross, yucky place. Mm -hmm. And my job as a parent and now as a pastor is to say, I don't want you to live there. That's not where God wants you to live. Um, exactly. This anxiety, these emotions, these angers, these, you know, holding on to hurt. That's not life giving. That's not um, making life more fulfilling. But it's not me. And your anger and your emotion and your behavior is not actually directed at me. You're angry at something else. And we're going to have to figure out together what that something else is and what we're going to do about it.
Well, to, to use a, um, the, the dog whisperer, I think he calls you a, some, it's something very Betty Priest-like, but the dog whisperer calls it like a non-anxious presence. Yeah. <laughs> refusing to enter into the anxiety that's being displayed and expressed, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, I, I'm not leaving you, but I will, this is your problem and I'm not going to enter into it or into the anxiety around it. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not going to get hooked into it mm -hmm. because those kinds of conflicts were very effective at hooking uh, mm -hmm. all manner of people around in, mm -hmm. into them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and, and again, causing all kinds of, of health issues as a result because people were living in a constant state of anxiety and fear and mistrust. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and yet in, in the midst of all of the, the pain that was there within the, within the larger system, there's still this beautiful story of embracing you, the beautiful story of, of belonging, of, mm -hmm. of, of, wanting, of wanting you to be healthy and whole and safe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, so how has all of this impacted your ongoing leadership journey? I mean, we're, we're a year, almost a year removed from that. Almost two. Almost two, okay. Almost two <laughs> years removed from this already. I, and so how has that impacted your ongoing leadership journey? It was really neat to have relationship already. So yes, boundaries can get blurry and things can get a bit of fuzzy. Is this person calling me because we're friends or is this person calling me because they want my pastor hat on? I mean, those are awkward moments that every pastor I've discovered at times deals with. Um, but what was really precious was that there were deep friendships already. Um, and no other pastor I know of had that background to say I was friends with the church before they called me to be pastor. I only know of one other pastor, you know him too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, that's a, that was a gift. Um, so in my floundering and finding myself in a completely new career and in my floundering of figuring out what to do when I don't go into a hospital and turn on a computer and take care of um, data, which is what I did for, you know, 17 years. Mm -hmm. It was knowing that people were counting on me uh, to, to, to be there for me, but that they were going to support me through it. Um, so the one funny story I have very early in my ministry, we made PowerPoint presentations for our, our, our services. And this was a joint service with a, a, a church that uh, speaks another language primarily. And so I had populated the whole service with lots and lots and lots and lots of pictures so that every time I spoke and it got translated, everybody would have something to look at and preached away. Uh, it was translated. Beautiful service. We're having a potluck afterwards. And one of our congregants comes up to me and said, um, yeah, you got to watch what kind of pictures you put up. And I said, why is that? He said, you know, naked women just aren't cool in church. <laughs> Your pardon. Where were there naked women? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. And it, um, we had been talking about treasures and things like that. So I'm thinking, was there a, you know, a golden idol or something that was naked that he had seen? And he was like, oh, no, it wasn't that. It was this other one. And we had been talking about sparks and flames. So I had a picture of a spark. 
unbeknownst to me, because you cannot see it when it's on a normal computer screen, when you project this spark up onto a big screen, is there not a naked dancing woman outlined in flames? Oh, wow. <laughs> so this, was, this was in front of my own congregation, a guest congregation. <laughs> there was a naked dancing woman. And I did not get any negative treatment as a result. There were a few people who were like, oh, Tasha, we were just praying that you would take that slide down. And I didn't know what their actions were about, but it wasn't negative. It was just like, um, yeah, I, I, I think in any other job, if you had screwed up quite that badly, there, there would have been a lot of negativity. And there wasn't. There was blushing with me and there was, you know, later laughter. But, but again, I mean, this highlights that the the lengths to which the congregation was going to go to to welcome you and embrace you and, and make sure that you were safe here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. That's so cool. And, and yeah, for... it was beautiful because our even feedback to us was, wow, we're so glad you chose Tasha <laughs> to be our next pastor. Of course, we didn't feel like we did, but... Um, you know, people were really uh, positive to us too, yeah. um, mm -hmm. that we had initiated the process. Um, and this is, this is six months, a year afterward. So um, it's a beautiful thing to see. And, and so, so then for you, Don, or for Ken, what's, what's the learning that you take out of this for the, the, the next season? Um, but yeah, I, I think just that, God will provide. God mm -hmm. provides what is needed. Because we went into that um, never really, never thinking about who would replace us or even our responsibility for participating in the process of finding someone to replace us. Like mm -hmm. that's, mm -hmm. that's anathema to Mennonites to, to do that. It's very much frowned on. And it never even crossed their minds. But after we had been in it for a year in, in this uh, intentional culture shift operation uh, we realized this this is this is a big job I mean we're we can see our way through uh, we think we're going to accomplish it but if there isn't somebody in place to pick up the baton when we leave it could all be lost in a few months mm -hmm. it, it it really uh, I guess we were in, invested enough I, I mean we we wanted we, we, we wanted to leave no stone unturned in, in to make sure to do everything we could that it would continue after we were gone. I mean, you've, you've left pastorates too, Norm, and you know what it feels like to leave people behind and, uh, and, and want them to succeed, and, uh, but leaving the role of, of uh, leadership there. And, and it's, it's exciting, but it's also scary. Uh, not completely dissimilar to when your kids grow up and uh, begin to lead lives that are independent and you don't want them to make mistakes that are going to harm them or other people. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I think to learning the learning piece besides for God's faithfulness in loving these people more than we could ever love them. Um, is that um, he knows, uh, he knows what they need, um, he knows what we need, and um, 
and he is able to do amazing things, even weirdly in weird situations. Um, I mean, just the whole story is so weird, um, weird, upside down, like <laughs> not the way we normally do things, you know. Um, and um, and God, God's wisdom is beyond our own, and uh, we can trust it, even when it sounds really different than what than what we've always known. Yeah. Um, you know, for not only for us, for Tasha, but for the congregation. Um, this was not normal, um, but it was a good not normal. And God works in not normal ways. And uh, when we see God in action, we, we maybe sense it, it's God, but just looks so weird. Um, we don't believe it. We don't believe it. So we need to trust the fruit um, of what's going on. If we see the fruit of the Spirit, it's God, even if it's not coming in a way that... Um, that we would normally see it happen. Um, yeah, it, it really, God can do some really crazy things. And, uh, and to us, it's crazy, but his wisdom is greater. And, uh, and he is a good and faithful God and he loves his people more than we do. Yeah. That he does, yeah. So he can take a uh, single mom of three in a fairly <laughs> conservative, in a fairly conservative congregation. Mm -hmm. You're a pastor. <laughs> yeah. And do it successfully. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, my contract was renewed. They asked me to stay for the four year term. That would be normal. Um, mm -hmm. And the even cooler fruit that we're seeing is the people he's drawing into the congregation that haven't mm -hmm. fit in other places. Um, they sort of have that common theme of having a broken past in some way with the church and not fitting in other places, but they're finding a home among these beautiful people um, that I love so much. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Innovate, Be the Change podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and share this podcast with your friends. The views and opinions expressed on Innovate Be The Change podcast are those of our guests and our host and may not represent the views of Mennonite Church Canada or that of the Innovate Network. Today's episode was produced by me, Norm Dick, as a part of the Innovate Network and our desire to see every neighborhood impacted by a Jesus-centered, disciple-making peace presence.